You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. So we're in Advent, right? These are our Advent wreaths. Audra's set up. Chris is like, you only watch your head. I didn't supervise that. Um, but Advent is a time of expectation, right? Where we celebrate expectation of hope. Of, uh, of the hope that comes in Jesus Christ, of the peace that comes in Jesus Christ, of the joy that comes in Jesus Christ, of the love that comes in Christ. And then on Christmas Eve, we'll celebrate all of that as we preach on Jesus Christ and celebrate him. But it's a time of expectation. And it's also a time of anticipation of what's to come. And it's a promise of what's to come. And so as I talk about, if we talk about hope, we talk about peace, we talk about love, we talk about joy next week. As we talk about these things, it's kind of within that framework, that reality that, that they have come into the world through Jesus Christ. But one day we anticipate, oh yeah, it's going to be poured out once and for all. There won't be any, any degree or any measure of these things as they are fulfilled and the returning of Jesus Christ. And so we look forward as well to that day. And we live in the in-between time of expectation, of wanting more, pursuing more, desiring more. So, you know, and, and, and the question I hope that you're asking is, well, how do I get more of that, Antley? How do I receive more of that? I'm gonna talk, I mean, because we're in a season, right? Whew. I mean, how many of us couldn't, 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 couldn't use a little more peace, Right? I mean, this is the season where Cray Cray family comes in town, right? And all of a sudden, having the normal, you have the normal household. You have like double or triple the people around you that are just weird and crazy like you are. And they're going to drive you crazy. They're going to drive you nuts. And in the midst of that, in this season when we're celebrating peace, as I'm talking about peace, we're like, I got, this is the worst season of peace in my life. I feel like my life is upside down. I feel like I'm so busy. I feel like, and, you know, and, and we can go on and on, can't we? And yet every year we do it again and again and again. We get to the end of the season. We weigh 10 pounds more and we're exhausted. We're exhausted. We're worn out from the season of peace, the season of love, the season of joy, the season of hope. It's just worn us down. And I think one of the reasons that we feel that way is because we kind of take on the responsibility as Christians, I'm going to talk about this, of, of needing to provide all of that for everyone else. And that's not what we are built for. And so the question I hope, or that I hope that you have answered today, or at least to some degree, is how do I find peace? This is the promise. This is what God has for me. How can I find that? How can I get more of that? So I'm going to read from a familiar scripture, and we're going to take a look at that today. Take a look at Jesus, the peace giver, the one who's come to bring peace to us. This is Luke 2, 8 to 20. In the same region, there were angels. I love this story. You know, this is the story when you hear it read, you're like, oh, it's Christmas time. We're in the season. It's the best story in the Bible. Besides the cross, and there's other ones too. But anyway. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you, a bo- uh, unto you is born 
This day in the city of David, in the city of David, a Savior who is called, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find him wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, wait for it, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away, Uh, From them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in their heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it has been, has been told to them. Father, we pray that you come now through your spirit and open our hearts to receive your word and the truth of your word, that we would find peace this morning and peace in our life that comes from you. Amen. Here's the good news. Before I get into the sermon, as I end up my introduction, it's this, is that God loves us too much to allow us to, allow us to be satisfied with a peace that comes from anything else but him. God loves us too much to allow us to settle for a peace that comes from anything or anyone else but him. So that's what this means. If you're feeling unrest, if you're feeling anxious in your life, if there is worry in your life, what you're butting up against is not sin, but love. You're bumping up against God's love, calling you back to himself. And so when we read the Christmas story, it's a story, it's a love story of of, of a father who wants you to experience a peace that goes beyond this world and will not allow you to experience it until you come to him to find it. That's great news. That is good news. And what he uses is our unrest, our anxiousness, our fear to tell us, come to me. Come to me and find peace, find rest, find hope, find love, find joy in me. But until you do, I will not back down and satisfy you. Let you be satisfied with the world or people of the world or the things of the world. See, the enemy would love for you to believe, oh, yeah, look at you, sinner. Look at you, loving Christmas and the things of Christmas that have nothing to do with Jesus. Shame, shame, shame. That's what he wants you to feel. When God is saying, no, 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 I have so much more for you to enjoy those things, but don't go to them for peace. These are the great purposes, the promises, or the the reasons that Christ came, that Christ was born. First and foremost, it says that so that God would be glorified. Glory to God on the highest. And then peace on those whose favor rests. God is glorified because his child is born. And second, peace is spread everywhere in the world because his child is born. The story, this story, this this phrase about God's glory and his peace, or the story about the glory of God ascending from us and the peace of God then, then descending to us. Glory going up from us so the peace of God descends upon us. God's glory sung out in worship in all of our life for the sake of his name 
And the result is that we find peace lived out in our life for the sake of his name. Thus glorifying God. The reason God created the world and man and woman was so that he would be glorified. That is the purpose of creation. The reason Jesus came is so that God would be glorified. The way that God is most glorified is when his children find their hope, find their joy, find their love, find their peace and affection in him. That is the way we testify to his glory. And when I say glory today, what I'm talking about is us testifying to God's beauty, God's power, God, the life that God brings, the weight of who God is, the beauty, the power, the love of God is being realized in us. Therefore, the glory of God, we're pointing people and showing people who God really is. This means that God wants us to have peace. Why? Because when we have peace in him, he's glorified. People look at our life and it might be broken and messy and things are confusing or painful. We might be in suffering. But if we have peace in God in the midst of that, even I would say even more so in the midst of that, what happens? What do people think about God? They're like, oh my gosh, this guy must be real. That doesn't make sense to me. That's baffling that they have peace in the midst of the turmoil and the stress of life. When I feel the stress and the worry and the anxiety of the world, I don't feel what they feel. And so God wants us to have peace. He's not like playing this checker game or this, 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 this game with us like, oh, we're going to see how much suffering we got here. We're going to see how far I can push them away from peace. No, God's desire is for us to have peace in him, find peace in him. Because when we do, we glorify him. So how do we experience this peace? And when I say peace, I don't mean the absence of conflict, which is kind of what I'm looking for whenever I think of peace in the holiday season. I'm like, just shut up. Just sh- I'm watching football. Just move out of the way. I have peace. Laura, bring me a beer. I have peace. Quiet it down. I want peace. The, uh, that's what we think of when we think of peace, it's just the absence of annoyances in our life. But that's not what God's talking about. I'm talking about in the midst of those times, finding joy and tranquility and a richness of relationship with people who are different from you and a richness in your relationship with God that gets you through anything and everything to where no matter what happens, you're at peace. You're as things should be. You're joyful. You're full of love and grace. So much more than circumstantial. But it says, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those whom he has pleased. The key is that for us to experience peace is that we would not separate what the angels kept together. The glory of God first and then the peace you long for. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Where we often get it wrong is we think once we start to follow Jesus, our job is to bring peace to the world so that God will love us, so that others will like us, so that others will be drawn to Jesus. Then we will find peace ourselves. If we do that, then our guilt will be you know, satisfied. Our anxiety of, of, of whether we're doing enough will be satisfied. 
Then God will love us, and then we'll have peace with him. That's how we behave. But that's the exact opposite. So we come to Christ normally, and we think, oh, man, i got to go do these things now. To start doing these things, stop doing these things. Then I'll feel okay, and then God will love me. But it's the exact opposite. And that's the model that we see the gospel, writing show, gospel writer showing us here is that no, you come to God, you pursue God, peace in God, and then and only then will your anxiety, your guilt, your shame be washed clean because of the work of Jesus Christ. And then as it's gone, then and only then are you in a position to love people without strings attached, to bring peace into other people's lives. But if you get it backwards, you start working under the law again as opposed to the law of love, which says love God first, and then you'll love yourself, and then you'll be in a place without wounds and be healthy to love other people. God's purpose is to give you peace by being the most glorious person in your life. Five times in the New Testament, he is called the God of peace. In Romans and Philippians and Thessalonians and Hebrews, and Jesus said, my peace I give to you. And then in John, and, and that's in John. And then Paul said, Jesus himself is our peace. What this means is that the peace of God or the peace of Christ can never be separated from God himself and Christ himself. If we want peace to rule in our lives, God must rule in our life. If we want peace to rule in our life in all circumstances, it is connected to the reality of God having to rule in your life in every area. Think about the areas in your life that you, you don't have peace. Maybe it's your marriage. It's jacked up. Wife's angry. Husband's angry at you. Why is it? What's causing there to be unrest or unpeace there? Because something's wrong with God, isn't there? There needs to be forgiveness and reconciliation with God and the relationship. And then the peace will come. That's true for every area of our life, every area. It's why we, we, you know, we preach about giving because it's one of the areas we have the hardest time trusting God with. And as long as we don't trust God or he doesn't reign in that area of our life, you're going to worry about money. You're not going to have peace when it comes to giving. You're not going to have peace when it comes to your resources. There's going to be fear. There's going to be anxiety. There's going to be control issues. The only way we will find peace is allowing God to rule in every area of our life. And again, God's made it that way because he loves us so much. He wants us to come to him. God's purpose is not to give you peace separate from him. His purpose is to give you peace by becoming the most important and central person in your life. So the key to peace It's keeping together what the angels kept together, glorifying God, worshiping God with all of our life, all of our mind, all of everything. And then we will find peace. A heart committed on showing the glory of God, living for the glory of God, will know the peace of God. And this is what holds those two two things together. The peace and the glory of God is belief. Not just saying, oh, yeah, 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 I believe that's true. But living like that is true. Actually living like that is true. Living like 
I believe God's reign in my life is the best chance that I have to experience peace. Living like the words of God are true. The Bible is true. Living like the commands of God are true. Living like the promises of God are true. Living like and wanting to obey him in every area of life and every command of scripture. Not because we have to, but because we believe that when we do, we will find life to the fullest and we will find peace. In Romans 15, 13, it speaks to this, the importance of faith. Not just saying one thing, but believing and living like it is true. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Why? In believing. In believing that God's promises are true. That Jesus is the source of life. And living to glorify him. Even when the circumstances don't feel like it. Even when we're lonely. Not compromising. Adhering to the commands and the love and the promises of God. Believing they're true. Allowing God to reign in every area of our life. We get it wrong, folks, when we pursue peace, when we pursue comfort, the absence of anxiety and worry. We try to deal with it on our own. Peace is a gift. It's a gift. You can only experience as it's given from the Father. And the Father only gives peace to those who pursue him and live for him. Even though God's offer of peace goes out to all, only his children, only his followers, the people who receive Christ and trust him as Savior and Messiah and Lord will experience the peace he he brings. We get a glimpse of this as well in Luke. When Jesus says to his disciples, whatever house you enter, first say, peace be on the house. That's the peace going out, the peace of God going out to the whole household. Okay? And then it says, and if the son of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. God's peace in Christ is offered to the world, but only the sons and daughters whom the peace rests on, who receive it, who believe in it, who live like it's true, will experience the peace that God has for us. How do you know that you're a son or daughter of peace? How do you know that you're part of the angel's promise? Peace among those whom God has pleased. Because you've welcomed the peacemaker into your life and to every area of your life, and to every circumstance of your life, you've welcomed Jesus to come, to rule, and to reign, and to live. Antley, I know what you're thinking. I know what some of you might be thinking. That doesn't sound very Christmassy. That's not a very loving message, Antley. You're saying that only people who receive Jesus are going to receive peace? Only people who allow Jesus to reign all their life are going to receive peace in those areas of their life? That doesn't sound very loving, I admit. doesn't sound very tolerant. and definitely doesn't sound like something Santa would say, right? But it's not if it's true. If this is really true, if the gospel is true... The claims of Jesus are true. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm the resurrection and the life. If it's true that Jesus is the only one who's dealt with our sins, if it's true that Jesus is the only peace giver that transcends our circumstances of life, if those things are true and we don't tell people about them, then that's unloving. 
If it's just another truth, then that's unloving. But it's not just another truth. It's the truth. It's the only truth that's significant now and for eternity. It's the truth that brings freedom and joy and love and peace that transcend what we're experiencing, that transcend what we feel now, the circumstances of life. It's cruel. It would be cruel to believe that this is the truth and then choose not to live in a way with your friends who don't believe it that communicates that this is true. I want to be careful here because I don't want, I don't want in any way for you to hear me telling you not to love people who don't believe what we believe or not to love people who don't follow Jesus. But one of the most unloving things that we can do is be silent in the name of love and in the name of tolerance when we see people living or behaving in a way that is destructive or does not lead to life. In the name of love, in the name of tolerance, we end up enabling people to live lives that we know will lead them to despair, that we know will lead them to unrest, that we know will lead them to hopelessness, and and ultimately will lead them to eternal death apart from God the Father. And And we justify not being honest with them or not living in a way that brings righteous conviction in the name of love, in the name of tolerance, in the name of whatever else culture will say that we're being by not being truthful with the truth. If the truth will set people free, then we are enslaving people by not communicating it. And again, it has to be done, the truth in love, in relationship. But in the end, love without sharing the truth is not love. It's more like cowardice. And again, I'm not, I hope that doesn't like, if it stings a little bit, I'm sorry. But that's not my purpose. When I was thinking of uh, what's the antithesis of being bold and being confrontational in love, walking with people, saying hard things. What's the opposite of that? It's to cower away from it. It's to avoid it. And I'm afraid that we can get into that and justify it with love, with tolerance. When if what we have brings peace, brings love, brings life, how would we not share that? How would we not live that? When we place our hope in Jesus, when we, when you, when you choose to place your hope in Jesus, live to glorify God by loving and following him, even when our life is messy, even when our life is broken, we offer a hope to the world that it desperately needs, it's hungry for, it's been created for. And when you live that way, and you obey God that way, and you allow him to reign in all of your life, what are you doing with your friends who don't believe that? What are you doing with the rest of the world? You're causing them, you're forcing them to deal with, and what you think I'm gonna say, their sin, wrong. You're dealing, making them deal with God's love. They're bumping up to the same love that we bump up to that, call, that God used to call us back to himself. Don't believe the lie that it's your job to convict people of sin. It's your job to love people, but the way that you love people is by living and allowing God to reign in your life. And if they become uncomfortable because of that, good. 
Because they're bumping up against God's love. They're bumping up against a reality in your life that will set them free. But don't run from that opportunity because you want to be their friend. Don't run from that opportunity because you think it's loving. Don't run from that opportunity or shy away from that opportunity because you think you're not being tolerant. That's a lie. That is a lie. It's cowardice. And that's not what our our world does not need that. Our world needs the hope of Jesus Christ, the peace of Jesus Christ, the joy of Jesus Christ, the love of Jesus Christ. That is the only thing that will bring them freedom. And it will come through you. It will come through you as you allow God to reign in your life and his peace to be poured out in your life. I want to end with this. This is Philippians 4. It's a great verse about peace. It's a powerful statement about how God does this in our hearts and in our minds. This is how it works. Do not be anxious about anything. The opposite of anxiety, the opposite of anxiety is peace. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. In other words, roll your anxieties onto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The picture here is that our hearts and our minds are under assault from the enemy, under assault from the world. Guilt, worry, threats, confusion, uncertainties, they all threaten, they all come against us having peace. And Paul says that God wants to guard your hearts and your minds. And he guards them. What does he guard them with? Peace. He guards them with peace. His peace is what shields you from those things, allows you to react to those things. He guards them in a way that goes beyond what human understanding can fathom. Don't limit the peace of God by what you understand and what you can see. He gives us supernatural, unexplainable peace. And he does it when we take our anxieties and we give them to him. We take our frustrations and we give them to him. We take our relationships and we give them to him. And we trust him in prayer that he will carry them for us and that he will protect us. When we do this, when we come to him, and again, we can come because we already have peace with him, and trust him as our loving and almighty heavenly father to help us, his peace comes to us and steadies us, protects us from the disabling effects of anxiety, of worry, of guilt in our life. And then we're able to carry on and our God gets glorified. Our God is seen as powerful and loving and trustworthy. As one who gives us hope. If we do that this Christmas, roll your anxieties onto God. Allow God to reign in every area of your life. You tell him about what's happening in your heart. You tell him the fear, the guilt that you feel. And you ask him. He will protect you. He will protect you. He will restore your peace. And then use you to make peace with other people. He will do this because when we do that and he does that thing with peace, he is glorified. And that's what the birth of Jesus is about. The glorification of our Father. Let's stand.